Nicola Murphy. Not, uh, Murphy for much longer? Mm, three weeks, you know, three weeks. Fox Force 5. <laughs> Here we are. We're back. <laughs> we are back. We haven't been anywhere, though. No, no. I've actually been trying not to do um, leave the house much because I feel like every time I leave the house, I spend money. So I've just been staying oh, inside Jesus. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, the um, money spending is out of control yes, at the moment. Absolutely. But look. But no, um, all is well. It's lovely to hear in Ireland. Uh, it's supposed to be roasting in the UK, it is, is it? Scorchio here yeah, today. Weird. Like going out to school this morning, I was like, uh, no jackets, no cardigans, no nothing. Like oh, it was that's nice, though, isn't it? Hot Freedom. at nine o'clock at half. Eight. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, Stuart's away, so um, it's busy. Had a massive roaring match with yeah. Estelle before she left the oh, house, no. which wasn't good for either oh, of us. God. But um, oh no, oh, I'm actually she's. Five. She's going to be six in September and I am dreading the teenage years already. Dreading them. <laughs> Maybe she's getting <laughs> it all out of We're so like each other yeah. in our temperaments, you know. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> and mind you, she is a redhead. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all half redheads. So there's some of it in, yeah, in us so. for sure. Um, yeah. Yes. No, all is well. It uh, is getting kind of summery feeling now. And, you know, all is well and good and... <laughs> You sound like you're just, trying to convince yourself. That's trying to the convince case. myself all is fine, yes. I just uh, recorded another podcast this morning about anxiety. Mm. And uh, so I was interviewing a psychotherapist and he gave me some good tips for dealing with anxiety. So I'll send you on that link. Yeah, I need that. Yeah, yeah. Need anything you can get. Cause I think it's actually that episode is... is <laughs> That episode is actually coming out the day of your wedding. How, we'll all have a listen to it that morning and we'll be doing all the, the yeah. anti-anxiety. The yeah, Aaron, the morning yeah. of the wedding, there'll be no bother. Everything's done. It's the lead up to it. That's the stress. So I funny because like you're getting so close with that. Like I'm just like, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do it. I just want to eat all the shit food. It's terrible because I've been so motivated for like six months and now I'm just like, I am just tired. <laughs> I just want to like, not. Nah. I'm still going, but like begrudging. Oh, not really you. enjoying it but I think I'd probably be a shell of myself if I didn't go because it's even worse the finish line mm. is just it's in sight you yeah, know it's yeah. only a few more weeks that's it you just got to get yourself there now yeah. You're but you're doing amazing and everything's come together you're just you're flying it Nick you're flying it you want a job as a professional wedding organiser <laughs> after this <laughs> if I could not. give up my day job no matter I do it you know it's it's the balancing yeah, yeah. your day job and other jobs that's the problem but anywho yeah. no all is well all is well shall we um, kick off this week's podcast yeah 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 number one one so ghosting backburner relationships Dating apps is what we're talking about. We're in a relationship. Uh, I've never heard that. Well, this is interesting. Now, wait till you hear some of the information I'm going to share with you, Nicola. Very good. Uh, So this guy, Martin Graff, who's a senior lecturer in psychology of relationships at the University of South Wales, did a piece for the conversation about all this stuff, you know, dating apps and how we behave on dating apps and stuff. Um, And he says, there's no doubt that online dating and dating apps have transformed the way we initiate, form and end romantic relationships. We might always question... Sorry, we might also question whether the convenience of these apps has encouraged us to behave differently than we would in real life. More specifically, do mobile dating apps breed bad or antisocial behaviour? I think we know the answer to this already. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main themes is how common it is for people to be using dating apps while in relationships. Oh. Data from the US has shown some 42% of people with a Tinder profile were either in a relationship 
or married. Oh, that's so disgusting, isn't that yuck like? Oh my God. In a study mm. of American undergraduate students, around two thirds revealed that they'd seen someone on Tinder who they knew to be in a further relationship. Further, another 17% of participants said they had messaged someone on Tinder while in a committed relationship, with 7% engaging in a sexual relationship with someone they had met on Tinder while in a committed relationship. It's an epidemic. Um, That's mad. There's also evidence that people are using dating apps to keep up with what we call backburner relationships. This is when someone on a dating app maintains contact with another person in the hope of someday pursuing something romantic or sexual. Uh, oh, no, I don't know. Naughty. Like, is this uh, is this podcast going to be based on reasons why Nicholas shouldn't get married in dream time? <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? Like, like that dirty is, dogs. Uh, and I actually think, and I even remember like being on them years ago, like uh, many years before my current relationship, and uh, it was. Do you know what it is? It's like people just can't. They just want everything. They just want it all. Mm. They want like they commit mm. a relationship, but they want sex on the side with somebody else you know and you see that's why you see these people on social media and have their cake and eat it too absolutely and then the other thing which I think is terrible and I think men have a big problem with it is choice there's actually so much choice that like that's Mm. why it 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 incur- it's the same with like Love Island, you know, it's that choice that makes people like act the maggot and act quite disgusting. It's kind of like that they go back to like basic instinct where it's like, oh, there's so much choice yeah. around me. And it's terrible. Like it makes people act disgusting. Yeah, it, it's, it's you know, when the, when it's so easy to access, yeah. you know, mm. the attention and, you know, that will feed the ego and feed the, you know, mm. desirability factor or whatever. Mm. I think people just can't resist it, can they? Well, some people. Um, The authors of a 2018 study involving 658 undergraduate college students found that the number of backburners reported did not differ significantly between those who were single, casually dating or in a committed relationship. Around 73% of all respondents reported they had at least one backburner. Oh my bastards! But is this a big American Um, thing, I wonder? Like, or is this, you know... Oh, Jesus, I'd say... Similar here, like, Ugh. easily. Online Fair communication, me. of course, makes keeping in contact much easier, which is what I just said. Researchers have suggested that relationship maintenance in backburner relationship involves positivity. So being compassionate to the other person, ensuring that interactions with them are fun and enjoyable. Openness, so that's disclosing personal information to them, maybe even sharing secrets. And assurances, demonstrating a wish for the relationship to be sustained over time. Online dating has also made ghosting much easier. A 2019 study found that respondents had ghosted 29% of the people they had dated and had been ghosted by 25% of dates themselves. In addition, 74% of respondents said they believed that ghosting was an appropriate way to end a relationship. <laughs> um, I'll never forget, and it often pops into my head, that that episode of um, Sex in the City when Burger broke oh, up yeah. with Carrie via post mm. and it was like such a horror yeah, you know and it became the norm then like yeah it's mental oh, I'd say more polite than ghosting oh god and like yeah some of the stories are horrendous people who've been in relationships for like months and months and months and then they get ghosted it's just like what and people who've yeah. met like other people's families and all that stuff and you're like this person is just it's so horrific because like there's no closure whatsoever it's just like yeah like are they alive <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's terrible, Mm. isn't it? And especially if you thought, like you said, you had a you had a significant Mm. relationship there. Like that's mad. 
Uh, people don't just use dating apps for seeking a relationship or for sex. Many people report using them simply for fun. As such, more genuine users of these apps may be easy targets for trolls who merely wish to create conflict and cause distress to other online users for their own amusement. A 2017 study found that dating app trolls scored highly on measures of sadistic behavior, sadistic behavior showing a disregard for the pain or suffering inflicted on other people and highly and scored highly on dysfunctional impulsivity characterised by not following up on promises. Um, the convenience and abundance of choice in online dating perhaps encourages a culture of disposability, being able to trade up in the dating market and abandon a current partner more easily. Personal mobile devices, devices equipped with a passcode or face recognition allow for even more surreptitious and secretive behaviour. Um, Anchors. Online behaviour is often characterised by disinhibition. We're inclined to behave more freely online than we do face to face. In part, this is because of the feeling of anonymity when we're online. Finally, the way people use dating apps is very much related to personality characteristics. For instance, people with open, um, open to ex- people with open and less agreeable personality styles are more likely to use dating apps in a more casual way. If bad or dysfunctional behaviour now seems commonplace on dating apps, social media and online generally, the technology which has given rise to this behaviour is here to stay. We may need to adjust our expectations accordingly. That's depressing. It's very depressing. And like, I kind of thought that they were dying out a little bit, but maybe that's just because I'm not surrounded by it anymore. Whereas like 10 Mm. years ago, I probably knew a good few people who were single, including myself. Whereas Mm. nowadays, I don't know many people that are still single, you know, but I'm surprised that they are still going as strong as they are because they're so toxic. Yeah. I am very surprised. Yeah. Like, and because a well, lot of it really is linked. I don't know anyone my age that uses it. But a lot yeah. of them are linked to your social media now. So like... Your other profiles. Yeah, yeah. To, to show your legit and stuff like that, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I listen to too many true crime podcasts and a lot of people get like set up and fucking murdered and everything off of them. So... <laughs> You're like, never mind the the two timing, etc. You might get killed. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Always meet in a public space or tell someone <laughs> where I meet to take somebody. So that, yeah, that's exactly. the lesson for today. Uh, okay, moving along. Number two and depressing. Sorry, go on. Yes, <laughs> moving yes, on. You're to fine. You. Over, over to you. Number two. Two. We went to see the new Jurassic Park movie the other day. Oh God, so, I heard terrible things yes, about it. So. Uh, I was very excited to see it. I have to say because it, I have to say because it's you know they were kind of closing the loop on these movies, like closing the, okay. the circle on kind of the original ones as well as the modern ones. So we knew that a lot of the old cast were going to be in this one. So obviously okay. for nostalgia's sake, um, you know it was very exciting. I was very excited to go and see it. Now I think a lot of people have totally trashed it, but I think maybe people who like didn't expect experience it the way we did when we were kids you know that kind of way so you didn't have as much of the like oh my god excitement when I just feel like maybe younger people and it's not such an old woman thing to say but I just think maybe older people who like were around the 90s and like loved Jurassic Park have much more nostalgia around this movie than somebody who's in their 20s who didn't have that and went to see it and yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a shite movie. You know, that kind of way. Right. I yeah. personally still enjoyed it. I would say like, if you liked the originals and, you know, watch them, I would definitely still go to see it because like, you know, it's a big dinosaur movie and it's always good in the big screen as well, I think. But, um, yeah. so obviously it was the same guys. So Chris Pratt's character is in this one. And if you saw the last few, um, you'll kind of know kind of where the story is going. There's a lot of like talk about cloning and things like that. And there's dinosaurs now on the mainland in the 
the states and across the world. So dinosaurs are like a thing now as part of nature, which is yes. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh. So um, the premise is kind of like living with dinosaurs kind of thing and what they've done since dinosaurs became part of, I suppose, society or nature as, as it is kind of thing. And so um, Owen is Chris Pratt's character and Claire is um, that lovely red-headed one whose name I always forget. So they are kind of trying to protect their daughter who was given the last, you'd have to have seen the last movie, so I remember what I'm talking about. But anyway, it's kind of about their storyline trying to get their daughter back. But like it involves like going to Malta of all places and there being dinosaurs running around Malta. And it's just really bizarre and random. Now, not that it's not enjoyable, but like totally not Jurassic Park. You know, we're used to like them being in the jungle and things getting you know, yeah. getting eaten and stuff like that. And that's the joy of Jurassic Park. <laughs> but yeah. um, so they're in a city. Like, yeah, they were in, in the, Mal- in well, the they're in Malta yeah. for some of it. Yeah, and mm. then the kind of a parallel storyline is, of course, the lovely Laura Dern and Sam Neill are back. Um, and oh, they yeah. are, there's basically this, these massive giant locusts in the States that are eating up people's crops and like, you know, are obviously terrifying. And um, they're trying to get to the bottom of it. And it's basically this biotech company has started like, biosyngenetics has started like drugging these locusts to make them this big. And it's they're kind of controlling the crops then because their seeds don't get eaten by the locusts and all this stuff, right? Okay. Again, it's totally wild and out there. But anyway, I won't. I don't want to spoil it either. But that's kind of their storyline. That's the other storyline. Um, Owen and Claire's storyline, looking for the daughter, Maisie. And then they kind of eventually all end up in the same place. But obviously, yeah. I would say the story with like Sam Neill and all that is way better because obviously that's the nostalgia side. You know, we get to see them yeah. like Ellie being back with him and uh, Alan Grant and Ellie are together again and all that. And obviously we know the love connection, but like we didn't know what had happened since then. So I'm not going to ruin any of that mm. stuff. And then we have, of course, my, say, my one of my favorite people in the entire world Jeff Goldblum is back as oh, well as Dr. Ian yeah. Malcolm so you get to see their interaction and all that and that's the best part like all of that side you know yeah. when you see them back together what are they doing blah 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 and eventually it's in the trailer so it's not as well that they all meet up so that's kind of nice because it's like oh all these characters are back together wow blah, blah, blah. Mm. but yeah the story mm. itself is pretty shite the ending is Can a bit it- random it's just all yeah a bit random but can you go from <laughs> Watching only the, original, the first Jurassic no. Park ever to this one. No. Because I haven't watched any in between. The new ones no. aren't too bad. Like the first of the new ones yeah. was very good. It is very good. And even, uh. yeah, the first of the new ones, I would say definitely watch it. The second one even, okay. I, I, I kind of enjoyed them all because I'm a bit of a Jurassic Park geek, you know, like we loved it when we were kids, yeah, yeah. so we grew up with it. Yeah. But um, it's probably the poorest of those three new ones, but okay. still, though, I would kind of say, like, absolutely watch it. Like, we went to kind of an early enough viewing, there was loads of kids in it, and I'd say the kids loved it, like the dinosaurs and all that stuff, and it's not that. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a bit violent, but not very violent. Like, I feel like the first ones were much more violent, you know? But, um, okay. yeah, so it was all um, kind of random, the ending and all that. So I would still say go see it if you're a Jurassic Park fan. And definitely kids enjoyed it. It, it seemed to, some were very small though. And some of it definitely was not appropriate. Like I would say maybe like 
nine, ten upwards, you know, like okay. if our nephews wanted to see it, like I think they'd enjoy it, you know. But mm. yeah, it was nice, nostalgia, and that's kind of closed that circle now with those movies, apparently. So we don't know what they're going to do with Jurassic Park next. Like they bought the franchise, like it's been rebought, repurchased. So I don't know what they'll okay. do with the next lot of movies. But mm. that was my, that was our trip to the cinema. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, nice. Going to see Top Gear, Top Gear. I keep calling it Top Never. Gear. Going to go see Top Gun tonight. So next week oh, I will brilliant. have a chat about it. Everyone's saying oh, can't unreal. Wait to see I don't think I'll, maybe I'll go on my holidays. If I <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Um, so we, I, I just want to mention two things very quickly. I just finished the second series of The Split. I'm not joking. Yeah, it's one of the best things I've brilliant. ever watched. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I actually looked up the name of the woman that wrote it. I think it's like Abby Weems or something like that. And she's a playwright and mm. actually she wrote a few films as well. TV isn't really her thing. Mm. Um, I just think the way her characters are developed and the way it's not all, everything isn't said, yeah, you know, yeah. in the thing. A lot of stuff is implied yeah. and it's just more like real life, you know, it's amazing. Um, And she handles things in such a accurate way. I'm astounded by her. I think she's brilliant. But um, so there's one more series of that to go on Netflix which I will get to at some point and the other thing is we started watching The Staircase did you watch yeah, it? Yeah so we've seen the I watched the original documentary some of it we actually do you remember we yeah. watched it years ago Yeah. but I've heard a lot of people say that it if you've seen the series the documentary that the series is a bit of a waste of time but so I didn't go back no, to it but I no. think I will watch it yeah. Oh my god no um, it's so different I've only watched two episodes now I think there's six or eight and um, Colin Firth is unreal in it like he's like a different person Mm. and it is creepy now it's a long time since I watched the documentary but you know bits of it is kind of coming back to me about you know you know the guy the main character so if for people who don't know it's about a woman falls down a staircase and dies essentially and it's all about did her husband do it or not? Did she fall or was she pushed? Was she attacked? Right? Because she's got kind of strange injuries. Um, and so there's a documentary of it from about five or six years ago on Netflix. And then there's this new drama starring Colin Firth and Tony Collette and a lot of other very recognisable faces as well, actually. And it comes straight in at the action. like, But it, it does jump over and back in time, you yeah. know, from before the accident to because so Tony Collette is in quite a lot of it but then to you know him being up in court and also we know he's out of prison if he went to prison it's like later years later sort mm. of thing so um it's it's really good it's really good and uh the thing that comes into it which I didn't know was going to be in, t- in it is the guys who made the documentary oh. were two French guys and they're in the drama. Weird. They're making the documentary as part of the drama. Uh, you know, it's art within art within art, basically. Because we did yeah, talk about it on the podcast life. before the hand yeah. when it was coming out, but I only watched mm-hmm. the first bit of it. Yeah. So there you go. So, I've watched the first two episodes <laughs> and I've I kind of, and it's, it's just a warning. It's very graphic. There's some really graphic stuff in it. For sure, in but the way she died was bad. Oh. injuries. Oh. oh, Jesus. It's, they, they, they show his, his, defense of how she fell yeah oh my god it's horrendous I actually couldn't watch it I had my hand up I was like oh my god because there's a ton of blood so you can just imagine now what they've had to do to achieve all this blood like um and then he 
they find all this gay porn on his mm. computer. So they show lots of that and stuff. It's mad. Yeah. And they show him meeting up with men and stuff like that. Like, so not for the faint hearted by any means, yeah. but um, very good so far. But I'll keep you updated because. Yeah, no, I, I actually I need a new season. I need a new series or something. We yeah. actually were going to start Severance, which I'm looking forward to telling you all about mm. because it was massive mm-hmm. in the States. We haven't, it hasn't really taken off here. It's Apple TV, mm. um, it's supposed to be absolutely unbelievable. So that's on my list as well. So I shall add it to my list and uh, watch it. Yeah. The other thing is that's on my list is The Time Traveler's Wife on Sky oh, One, but yeah. I haven't got as far as one. Divisive. The time traveler's wife is always divisive. Yes, that book. So, I loved it. Loved it. Mm. Um, oh, there is a new. Sorry, oh, that was very loud. Jesus. I hope that wasn't very loud. There is a new Jane Austen TV, um, based. Is this Persuasion? It's called based um, TV series coming to Netflix. That Dakota Modern based Dakota on Jane Austen. Thing? Is there one from Fifth? Yeah. yeah, she's in it. Yeah. Um, it looks very good. I love a good old period drama, Jane Austen. Oh, is it? Stuff. It looks period drama. It well, is it's not drama. actually drama, but it's Jane Austen, like so. It's that timeline, but it yeah. looks like kind of quite humorous and stuff like that. Like I mean, like Sense and Sensibility, oh. or you know, when Pride and Prejudice, okay. kind of same vibe. Yeah. So it looks very good, like love story kind of thing. So that is coming to Netflix in I think the end of this month of July. So that'll be a good one to talk about mm. as well. So keep an eye out for that. Cool, exciting. Cool. Okay, number three. Three. So, oh, this is one of those, I'm stressing out thinking about this. Mary Robinson is our fox <laughs> oh, this week. God. And I could have talked about her for an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's got an unbelievable bio. Like, mm. she's just done so much stuff and been involved in so much. So apologies to anyone listening who's like, why didn't you talk about that bit? Because I literally can't get everything yeah, in. So, um, so this is kind of like a skimming the surface of her Biography. Um, so Mary Therese Winifred Robinson, she was Burke, um, is an Irish politician who was the seventh president of Ireland, serving from December 1990 to September 1997. She was the first woman to hold this office. Born in Ballina, County Mayo in 1944, she's the daughter of two medical doctors. Her family had links with many diverse political strands in Ireland. She studied law at Trinity and as a Catholic uh, and because of the Catholic Church's ban on Catholics attending Trinity, um, she had to. Her parents had to get special permission from the Archbishop to allow her to attend. She was one of three women in her class in Trinity and graduated in 1967 with first class honours. An outspoken critic of some Catholic Church teachings during her inaugural address as auditor of the Dublin University Law Society in 1967, she advocated removing the prohibition of divorce from the Irish Constitution, eliminating the ban on the use of contraceptives and decriminalising homosexuality and suicide. And she's managed all those things in her lifetime. God bless her. Um, she furthered her studies at the King's Inns and was called the Irish Bar in 1967. She was awarded a fellowship to Harvard Law School in 1968. In 1969, age 25, she was appointed Reed Professor of Law at Trinity College. The same year, she was first elected to Shannadaran as an independent senator. Her goals as a senator were to open up Ireland and separate Catholic teaching from aspects of the criminal law and therefore reform the law on contraceptives, legalise homosexuality and change the constitutional ban on divorce. Her time in office is most closely associated with these issues as well as securing the right for women to serve on juries. Who oh, would have known that? My God. In 1970, she married Nicholas Robinson, with whom she had a relationship since they were law students and who was then a practicing solicitor. They have three children together. Robinson was a senator from 69 to 89. 
and served as a local councillor briefly for Dublin Corporation. She was associated with the Labour Party for a little while, but became the first independent candidate to win the presidency and the first not to have had the support of Fianna Fáil. (laughs) Following her time as president, uh, she became the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights from 97 to 2002. Robinson was inaugurated as the seventh president of Ireland on the 3rd of December 1990. She proved a remarkably popular president, earning the praise of Brian Lenin, Lenihan himself, who, before his death five years later, said that she was a better president than he ever could have been. I remember oh. that election. Mm. So weird. Austin Curry, Brian Lenihan and Mary Robinson. Can't remember who else was in it. Mm. In 1991, Robinson was prevented from leaving the country by Charles Hawhey's government. The power of the government to prevent the president leaving the country is enshrined in Article 12.9 of the Irish Constitution, which states, states that the president shall not leave the state, save with the consent of the government. Wow. Robinson had, had been invited to deliver the prestigious BBC Dimbleby lecture and was to be speaking on the position of women and the family in Ireland. Oh, my God. Weary of Robinson's position as a feminist and human rights lawyer, the government prevented her leaving as they wished to avoid the negative publicity that they believed would arise from a speech that believed would be hi- they believed would be highly critical of the Irish Oh my state. God. <laughs> That's mad. I never heard that. Reckless? I never heard that before. That sounds, that sounds like a podcast in itself. Yeah. Right there. Um, during her tenure as High Commissioner, she visited Tibet, the first High Commissioner to have done so. She criticised Ireland's immigration policy and criticised the use of capital punishment in the United States. She extended her intended single four-year term as High Commissioner by one year to preside over the World Conference Against Racism in 2001 in Durban. Uh, the the conference proved controversial due to a draft document which equated Zionism with racism. Amid rising pressure from the United States, Robinson resigned her post in September 2002 after leaving the United Nations. She formed Realising Rights, the ethical ethical globalisation initiative, which came to a planned end at the end of 2010. She served as Chancellor of of the University of Dublin from 98 until 2019 and as Oxfam's honorary president from 2002 until she stepped down in 2012. She returned to live in Ireland at the end of 2010 and has since founded the Mary Robinson Foundation for Climate Justice. Robinson remains active in campaigning globally on issues of civil rights. She sits on the board of the Mulbraham Mulbraham Foundation and is a member of the Foundation's Ibrahim Prize Committee. I mean, there's a list of stuff here like that she, these committees she's on, these human rights councils, these, you know, climate things. Along with Nelson Mandela, Grace Michelle and Desmond Tutu and others, Robinson was a founding member of the Elders, a group of world leaders um, with the common goal of contributing their wisdom to tackle some of the world's toughest problems. Over the course of her career, Robinson has been awarded with numerous honours, including, and I kid you not, there's about 40 listed here, including the New Zealand Suffrage Centennial Medal, the North-South Prize, the Freedom Medal, the Erasmus Prize, the American Philosophical Society Prize, James Marks Morton Interfaith Award, like it goes on and on and on and on and on. She, um, in 91 and 2001, Robinson was awarded honorary doctorates by Brown University, University of Cambridge, University of Liverpool and the Lisbon Nova University. I mean, again, there's loads more of these. In 2009, she was awarded an honorary degree of Doctors of Laws from the University of Bath at the 1100th anniversary celebration of the Diocese of Bath and Wells, where she gave a lecture entitled Realising Rights, the Role of Religion in Human Rights in the Future. In 2009, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in America, the highest civilian honour awarded by the United States. In presenting the award, US President Barack Obama said, as a crusader for women and those without a voice in Ireland, Mary Robinson was the first woman elected President of Ireland before being appointed UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. 
Today, as an advocate for the hungry and the hunted, the forgotten and the ignored, Mary Robinson has not only shone a light on human suffering, but illuminated a better future for our world. Robinson is widely regarded as having had a transformative effect on Ireland, having successfully campaigned on several liberalising issue, liberalizing issues as a senator and as a lawyer. Robinson was involved in the decriminalisation of homosexuality, the legalisation of contraception, the legalisation of divorce, enabling women to sit on juries and securing the right to legal aid in civil legal cases in Ireland. She was Ireland's most popular president at one point, having a 93% approval rating among the electorate. <laughs> Miguel D is probably up there as well, to be fair, but she's she's unbelievable. Um, I mm. met her when I was about... Oh, in Lakers? Yeah, about nine or ten years old. I gave her a bunch of flowers <laughs> um, and she was perfectly nice. And she wore a little uh, two piece sort of uh, twin set, mm. you know, a la Chanel yeah. type thing, which she seems to always wear. I love she's a great voice, that woman. She has this great voice, yeah. the way she speaks. and it rec- Very recognisable. Mm. Yeah, it's quite low, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly a massive fox. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I'd say now you could learn an awful lot about that woman and still keep learning and learning and learning. There's so much. That story so much about depth. her being stopped to go to do that lecture. Hilarious. I'm like, I need to look at this for a documentary. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I've tried to cover it up because I've never heard about that ever. Never heard Amazing. of it. Yeah. Probably massive controversy at the time, but who knows? Yeah. There you go. Fox of the Week, Mary Robinson. Very good. Now, over to you, Nicola. Number four. Four. Well, from one fox to another, and actually maybe mm. potentially our fox for the future, um, I have mm. the most random account for you today. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. I enjoy it. Um, and it's kind of an ode to Liza Minnelli. So it's a, oh. a Twitter account called um, at Liza Minnelli Outlives. <laughs> Outlives. And basically what it is, is it it just talks about All the people that die when since (laughs) no, no, not people. So I'll give you today's one. (laughs) Liza Minnelli has outlived the Internet Explorer browser. Internet Explorer, I was gonna say it. (laughs) After 27 years, Microsoft is officially shutting it down. Also today, yeah. uh, BTS, you know, the Korean pop band announced yes, that they were splitting. A well, they're going to focus mm. on their solo careers. Liza Minnelli has outlived mm. BTS for now. The K-pop superstars, <laughs> of course, they're going on a, a temporary hiatus for promised return. So it's kind of like hysterical Funny. in one sense, you know, because it goes through all the stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I like it. Back at the end of May, Liza Minnelli outlives Ellen DeGeneres show. The show concludes today after 19 seasons and more than 3,200 episodes. Um, some of them are very American-y. Some of them um, mm. are kind of funny. I didn't know he'd left, actually. Liza Minnelli has outlived Pete Davidson's time on Saturday Night Live. Ariana Grande, oh. Kate Beckinsale and Kai Gerber's ex-boyfriend and Kim Kardashian's current is leaving after eight seasons. I actually didn't know he left. So mm. it's kind of just little things like that. I just You're learning stuff from it. I just think it's a bit random and I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's funny. Eliza Manelli like has stuff. outlived the iPad. Apple announced it's discontinuing production on oh, yeah. the iPad last month, which is again the end of a generation. Yeah. Um, yeah, little things like that. I love what it. What platform is it on? <laughs> it's what on Twitter. It? It's Twitter. At Eliza Manelli outlives. And one other thing, actually, I was going to talk about, and I don't really want to give it its own platform because, like, I'm not necessarily want to support the company. 
But I'm getting an awful lot of joy the last few months out of the Ryanair Twitter account. Did you ever follow it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're usually quite funny. All right, yeah. So two things for you this week. So if you don't follow Ryanair on Twitter, I mean, like once in a while, it'll be something like, oh, look, we have an issue here, which you're there. But in general, it's just them taking the piss out of things. And it is yeah. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so two random Hilarious. things for you today so follow Ryanair or give at I suppose the thing is if they um, don't take themselves seriously you know if they don't act seriously they don't have to be serious totally and so like it's a good even when people are giving yeah. out about stuff they'll turn exactly. it around and make it funny like you know so they have a very good people yeah. working on those Twitter accounts because they are funny and you see a lot of people yeah. even retweeting them and stuff like that because they're so funny so it's very good PR yeah. for them I feel like um I feel like Brian Murphy would be a good person to do that. Yeah, job. yeah, yeah. Our brother, <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, uh, like, like quips. Yes, you know, like, it is uh, a lot of quips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And turning a negative kind of into a positive quite quickly yeah. with like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we think, exactly. and sometimes it's quick. Witty quips. It'll be like an yeah. hour later, somebody's tweeted something and they've tweeted it back, like it's as in tweeted mm. like some sort of response, and it can be very mm. funny. So, anyway, two random ones for you this week. So check him out. Okay. Number five. Five. So this, uh, I didn't have a chance to edit this, but um, pop star Lizzo has changed the lyrics to her latest song after fans complained it used an ableist slur. Girls, which was released last week, originally contained a derogatory term for a form of cerebral palsy known as spastic diplegia in the first verse. Fans said they were shocked and disappointed and asked her to re-record the song with alternative words. The star took the criticism to heart and released a new version, omitting the harmful word on Monday night. She said, let me make one thing clear. I never wanted to promote derogatory language. Um, As a fat black woman in America, I've had many hurtful words used against me, so I understand the power words can have whether intentionally or in my case, unintentionally. The hastily reworked version of Girls now includes the lyric Hold Me Back in place of the original. Lizzo said the change was the result of me listening and taking action. As an influential artist, I'm dedicated to being part of the change I've been waiting to see in the world. The new version has already replaced the original on all streaming services. Over the weekend, fans criticised the singer for her choice of lyrics, pointing out that the offensive term had often been used to attack people with disabilities. Among them was Hannah Deviney, who contacted Lizzo on Twitter to explain why the word had upset people. Cerebral palsy is literally classified as spastic diplegic cerebral palsy, which basically means that I have spasticity or tightness in my legs. It's sometimes it's something I can't control and it makes my life quite difficult and painful. Seeing that word used to suggest someone has lost control or had an emotional outburst is really weird because that's not at all what it's like. And that's not at all what my life as a disabled person is. She posted the message to Twitter after Lizard Lizard cha- she posted another message on Twitter after Lizard changed the lyric describing her as a true, really true ally. She said, I'm going to cry. Thank you so much for hearing us, Lizzo, and for understanding that this is, this was only ever meant gently and being open to learning. It honestly means the world. You are a true ally. Aww. And that, people, is how yeah. you handle a PR crisis. Yes, you know? yeah, absolutely. So, Smashing it, Lizzo. Yeah, that, I was really wailing up there it. listening to that. Um, yeah, to be fair to her, she owned it straight away and she changed it like so. And like in a world like yeah. today where I know a lot of people are offended over a lot of things, absolutely. Yeah. But something like that, it was like, you know, she came across very genuine. It was a genuine mistake. She never really knew the intention yeah. behind it. So fair play to her. Yeah. We love Lizzo yeah. and I yeah. really hope she tours soon because I'd really love to see her mm-hmm. again in person. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We bookend the pandemic with it. Like it'll be our official end to the pandemic when we see Lizzo because yeah, we saw her. The She's the last gig I went to before. Yeah. And also, so I've go. had a few people say to me, and maybe if we just keep vocalizing things that we want to happen, because Robbie Williams is now <laughs> I know. just concerts. I know. So there I you know. go, everybody. You heard it At least first. the Dublin one is on like a Saturday night, whereas yeah. the Scotland ones are midweek. Oh, but, really? um, oh God, that's oh. such an old fart person thing to say. I know. Anyway. You're here first. <laughs> we need to so. think about it again. <laughs> it was yeah, a yeah. five exclusive. <laughs> there you go, kids. We'll be back again next week for our last podcast for a while because we'll be heading into Glasgow and wedding carry on. So make sure and tune in next week. And uh, in the meantime, have a wonderful time. Tell your friends, rate us, Bye-bye. subscribe, blah, blah, Thank blah, blah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.